You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I am really pleased to be joined this week by Vincent Valeri, who is a family legacy advisor um, based in Canada. Um, I'll let Vincent introduce himself and, and give his story. Um, it's a really interesting um, story. I've, I've read a couple of blogs and, and listened to a um, podcast that Vincent has been on uh, and uh, found the, the story and his ideas really, really interesting. So I thought it was worth um, having a chat uh, on here. Um, firstly, Vincent, uh, hi and welcome to the show. Thank you, Russell. Thanks for having me. No, no problem. So, so I've kind of um, given a brief introduction, but did you want to expand on that at all and, and give us a bit more information on who you are? Yeah, so thank you. So as you said, I'm in lovely Canada, um, just outside of Toronto. Um, my, I guess my current role, we, uh, I, I help families with their continuity planning and legacy planning, specifically in family business. But I think it's important to give some background as to why I do that work. If you're okay, I can start there. Yeah, perfect. That'd be great. And, and like most family businesses, and, I, and I'm sure with the work that you do with, with the families and clients that you serve, you know, my story, it's like most of ours, starts with my with my parents, um, specifically my dad. So both, both mom and dad uh, are immigrants to Canada. Um, they came from Italy, but at different times. So my mom came over when she was very young, uh, two years old, and very, grew up very much uh, Canadian. Whereas my dad came over in his early 20s, um, very much Italian, I guess, uh-huh. a very different mindset. Um, and, he, and he came, you know, and, and his childhood is also something to note because it's it's interesting how your your childhood comes back when you're an adult to, to kind of um, influence the decisions that you make. So, so my dad grew up very poor um, in a village that was... Um, Unfortunately, bombed out by Germany uh, during World War II. Wow. He, he, um, his father died during the war, so before my dad had the opportunity to meet him. Um, and his mom also passed away when he was very young, I think 11 or 12 years old. Wow. Um, yeah, so he grew up very tough, very, uh, very poor, you know, a very challenging uh, childhood. Luckily for him, his older brother uh, was able to pull up the bootstraps and move to Rome. And then my father followed, and they found both found a job working for a military company in Rome um, in the trade of chemical engineering, but specifically with circuit boards, so computer chips. Okay. And that is the trade that my dad brought to Canada when he was 22 years old. So like most immigrants, like the UK and Canada are you know, mere images of one another. He, he had a very hard time finding adequate work um, and was adamant not to join the steel factories like most of his friends and fellow immigrants did when they came to Canada, specifically in Ontario. So in 1974, with uh, the blessing of my mom, who was gainfully employed at the Royal Bank, he started the family business. Okay. Uh, yeah, which was computer chips, um, circuit boards. And what's interesting, I think the timing was, was impeccable, uh, not to spend too much time on the story, but... Like most family businesses, there's the, the early years are very lean and tough. 
And then my father would, would say that he was very fortunate that he met the right people at the right time. Um, and with the tech bubble that it was in the late 80s and throughout the 90s, the company grew exponentially with that rise in technology. What was interesting about our company was that we, uh, in 1988, a German family, ironically, noticed the company and actually acquired part of the business and partnered with my dad. What that did for us was it really changed the landscape as a family. So we went from a small family business, um, you know, about 10, 15 million in revenue as a family. And then when the German family partnered with us, it, it got up to about 35 million. Okay. And it really expanded our international horizons. What that did for me, Russell, was it was just in time for my teenage years. And that's very important because our family dynamics fundamentally changed with the acquisition or partnership of this of this German company. Right. So, uh, and it was really in my early teenage years when I when I finally started to notice, and it's the messaging that I give to my clients as well too, and to the families I work with. Your kids know that you're a family business, and the kids know that mom and dad are successful. And that was very much evident to me as I started to become 14, 15, 16 um, with the wealth that we were accumulating. Mm -hmm. I, I grew up in a small town uh, called Stony Creek, which is, which is about 70 kilometers outside of Toronto. And there was only about 20,000 people living uh, in the community that I was growing up in. And at the time, my father employed 250 of them. Wow. And being, and being a technology company, we were the only one of its kind. Uh -huh. So it was very high, very hard to hide from the, the the community's eyes, I guess, that were looking on at our at our uh, external family success. At the same time, my uncle Tony uh, also entered into Canadian politics. So uh, we had it from both. I had it from my youth, from both sides, from a family business perspective, but also uh, political, and the pressures that that puts onto the family to participate in the community uh, as well as trying to maintain a family business. Yeah, I can imagine. So flash forward quickly, I, I spent like most family businesses, I spent a lot of my years, my youth in that business. Um, dad, dad, for a lot, a lot of his own reasons, wanted to give both myself and my sister every opportunity he didn't have. And that's why I started the, the, the talk with my dad's story, which was very much one of hardship. But my childhood was very different to his. And I think a lot of that, and I'm kind of jumping around a little bit with the story, but a lot of him, by him giving every opportunity to my sister and I, it really, it really changed our path as to what we wanted to accomplish with our own lives. Um, and then I'll, I'll kind of end the story there quickly and then we can go back to it. But what happened after that was in 2006, so now 35 years into the business, you know, the market changed for us. Um, you know, small countries like China and India started manufacturing circuit boards en masse. Uh -huh. And in our Canadian advantage that we witnessed in the 90s because of our low dollar and, and our access to the U.S. fundamentally changed. So my father, at the ripe early age of 65, which I still think is, is young, was forced to make a business decision. Mm. And that decision for him was to ultimately divest our family's interest in this now multinational company. Uh -huh. And what that did for me at 27 years old, it really 
set me back a lot of years to understand and figure out what I needed to do for my own ha um, happiness and success. Right. Uh, and to, to expand on that a, a little bit more, uh, I mean, we, we'll, we'll probably come to this in a little bit more, more detail later on, but th there's a, a blog that, that um, features uh, your story um, that, yes. that's been written by uh, somebody called Mitzi Perdue, who uh, we'll put a link in, in the show notes for, for people to go and check that out. But in, in that, you mentioned um, that... Uh, as you say, your dad wanted to um, give you everything that um, his upbringing lacked, and that resulted in things like um, you. Am I right in thinking you only the only house in town to have a swimming pool, and um, sort of you had a, a, a wealthy upbringing from from that respect? Yes, very very much so. Um, yeah. You know, our, our, we had the you know the biggest house on the street, if you might say. Um, there was a lot, you know, and referencing that Mitzi Purdue article, Mitzi, I met Mitzi. Now, Mitzi is the daughter of the founder of Sheridan Hotels. Yes. Um, and Mitzi and I met at a conference in the States. Lovely, lovely person. But what else, you know, with the wealth came complexity. And, and at that time, like the article references, you know, I mentioned earlier with the, with the uh, partnership or acquisition by this German company of, of our family business, my parents at the same time were going through a difficult divorce. Right. Um, and again, we see this a lot with family business where one parent is the home, you know, is the, is the, is the home body, makes the home unit function, which was very much my mom. Mm -hmm. And one parent, in my case, my dad was the, was the, was the business owner. So for, for a lot of those middle teenage years i had a very absent father yeah he was he was home but he's just absent-minded because his focus was, was on the business and then you couple that with a with a divorce at the time it was very stressful mm. so my father you know uh, i smile about it today <laughs> you know i i recently my wife and i had our first boy who's now nine months and i smile and you know when i turned 16 the rite of passage for most kids is to get a car. Yeah. You know, in my case, I was, I got his hand me down Porsche. <laughs> the the, the uh, irony of that story was the Porsche, even though it comes with this name and brand of prestige, <laughs> the car was old. And, and I actually used that Porsche as a, as a, as a part of my story, storytelling when I, when I give presentations that the externally, the Porsche had a brand new paint job, we put a brand new set of tires on it. It looked immaculate from outside, but inside, you know, there was problems. There was mechanical problems. The car was 15 years old. It, you know, it, it had no power steering. It was a spring clutch. It was a very much an old car. Mm -hmm. You know, the sun, the, the, the sunroof would leak when you would wash it. Right? <laughs> so, I actually used that Porsche as an analogy of my teenage years, um, growing up in a family business that externally, you know, if you were looking from, you know, through the window, the family had was very strong, financially very strong. We also, like I mentioned earlier, we were also very active in politics. You know, you could say we, we had our stuff together, but internally there was a lot of conflict. Um, and, I, and I know that this is, this is the norm with families to begin with, but then you overlay a little bit of wealth and success and a business and the conflict can be present all the time. Yeah. Um, in, our, in my case, it was very much so. Um, 
for a lot of reasons. And, and it's, it's, um, it's one of the reasons why I do the work I do today, because it's, it's very easy for an outsider to look at a successful family and say, oh, they have it easy because they have wealth. Yeah. The, the reality is, is that with wealth, any type of wealth, and it's however you define it, and I have my own definition of it, but with monetary wealth, there comes a lot of complexity. You know, uh, you, I mentioned to you before, before we started the podcast, especially in Canada, where a lot of the millionaires or wealthy people are first generation. Mm. So the complexities, and I know yourself, you are, you are a planner, like the technical complexities that come with wealth. Yeah. Can be overwhelming for people. And that was very much the case in my family. Absolutely. And they can be exaggerated within a family business environment as well. I mean, there are complexities that come with wealth for, for, for most people. Um, but, but when you throw family dynamics into to the mix, it, it can be um, even more complex. Absolutely. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, the one that, that always comes out glaring is the family, you know, usually the founder, but in my case, being the son of the founder, you know, they, our identity is tied to that business. Completely, yep. And what, what also happens too, and I'm sure you see it as well, Russell, is that more than one family member is working at the business. Uh-huh. So the emphasis, the emphasis for this business to keep going becomes amplified. And I talk with families, well, is that is that healthy for the business that we put this much dependence on this entity to derive income from all the family members? Is it uh-huh. fair? Yeah. Because it's going to skew our decision-making. And is it fair that that family members are so dependent on this one entity? You know, if you look at it from an investment perspective, you know, you're over-concentrated in one stock. Yeah. But that one stock comes with a lot of feelings um, and and relations because of the fam- the family unit that's tied to it. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's also. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, sort of behavioural risk and and um, how people um, sort of make emotional uh, decisions rather than perhaps logical uh, decisions later on. But but when um, you're working within a family business and that's generating wealth that's there to um, support the, the family, it's it's very easy to get emotionally attached to that as a a necessity for that to continue no matter what the cost in order to maintain that as a legacy but it can often come at the cost of relationships with family members and and that deteriorating and it that side of it i guess is you speak about in um one of your blogs about the mindset to, to shift away from um, a family mindset more into a, a business family mindset. Would that be fair to say that that would help tackle those types of things? Uh, yeah, and it's also about it's it's adopting a business family mindset as well as a, as well as a family legacy mindset, right? So if you if you look at the at the first part of it, you know we call it the term that that we use in the industry is family business. But that term for me is driven by, you know, family loyalty and harmony as a primary goal, which which gets in the way of decision making Uh right? versus a business family. We're going to make decisions that are best for business, even if they're tough. But those decisions have to are communicated often, documented, and they're fair for everybody, which which usually or hopefully the plan is that harmony is is not the goal. It's a byproduct of that decision making. Right. So we look at, you know, I've also been blessed to be married into a family business. 
And it's very interesting to see the dynamics there where their family, the priority is harmony, let's say. So you ask a family business member, what's your priority? I want everybody to get along. So we make decisions or we avoid making decisions in order to maintain harmony, even though the individuals in the family have a different story they're telling themselves. Mm-hmm. So we're not, you know, we don't bring conflict to the table, even though conflict if conducted properly can be very healthy and constructive. Yeah. We, we avoid it. That's a family business for me. Mm. The family, and it's not, it's not right or wrong. It's just, it's a mindset. Uh, whereas a business family really separates the two. This we have a business, we have an operating business. The business needs specific focus and 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 nurturing and attention, and so does the family. But the two have ve- two di- two very different needs. And, that, and, then the, and then the third component, where I talk about in that blog with Mitzi, where a legacy mindset, it's really about making a decision. So if you're the founder, if you're the wealth creator of this of this wealth, or you're now the inheritor and you're and you're now the steward of this wealth for the next generation, it's really adopting a legacy mindset. Uh-huh. So it's really about changing the term succession to continuity. I want this to be a legacy, and in order for that to happen, the the plan it's not a stop a start and stop type of activity. Legacy is a living, ongoing thing. Yeah, and it's really interesting you, you say about the um, almost reframing the discussions away from it being called succession planning and onto um, continuity or, or legacy planning because the, just the term succession it, it sort of it, it paints an image of oh well that that's me either you know carted off to the knacker's yard or um, or dying or whatever the, the transition might be, but it's, it, it seems very final. Whereas when you talk about it in the terms of continuity, we're effectively talking about the same thing, but the, the way in which it's framed can change the mood around those discussions. Yes, absolutely. And the continuity ties in with the business family, mm. business family term, because what often happens, and there's a great author by the name of Tom Deans, and he wrote a book called Every Family Business. Uh, it's one of the biggest sellers. And, and, and Tom is a, is a worldwide speaker. And, and I share a lot of his ideas with, with, with his thoughts around family business continuity planning. But what, what happens oftentimes, and I'm sure it's very prevalent in the, in the UK as well, is that the next generation is inheriting a mature business. Yeah. Right. So does, is it the right thing for this business to be carried forward? A business family would would look at that and view it, you know, and objectively ask those tough questions. Is, you know, is this the right business to carry forward for another 10, 15, 20 years? And if the answer is yes, okay, well, what do we got to do to maintain it, to continue to evolve it, continue to grow, et cetera? If the answer is no, okay, great. Well, what do we have to do to liquidate? What's that going to mean for the family? Yeah. How's everybody whereas whereas the the term that we use predominantly a family business well now we have you know three of the kids are working in the business the business has to carry forward because this is their income even though in 10 years time which is a very short time frame could it could come apart anyway because the business hasn't evolved with the times you know and that's and so it's about really shifting it it's about really having 
really asking yourself the tough questions with respect to the business and the continuity planning. Mm. So what do we want long term for the family? The big, the one of the biggest things I start with with families, or one of one of the mantras in my belief, or one of the goals for a family should be for next gen is to raise competent and confident individuals. Uh-huh. Right. So if that individual is self sufficient, yeah, and understands their own passion, understands their own path, and if that path leads to the family business, great. And if that path leads to the family business and the family business has an opportunity for an individual, even better Uh. versus the other way around that the family says, you know, we're going to give you a job in the business because that's what we want for our family. And it doesn't necessarily align with the individual. That's where you're seeing this disconnect. Uh. And that's and that's where I believe is is one of the number one reasons why there's this huge drop off. In, in succession planning what we see today yeah and just to put some some meat on the bones of, of that in terms of statistics i mean there are lots of statistics um around that but it's pretty widely accepted that the failure rate of of first to second generations is is pretty high um yeah. and then again the the um success rate from that uh, for second to third gen is even um, worse and there's there's going to be reasons for those but but it seems these statistics haven't changed an awful lot over the course of say the last 30 or 40 years where we've seen sort of some advances in the the specific um, study of, of family businesses um, do you think that the, the lack of those honest conversations is a, a factor that uh, impacts that i do um and thank you for that yeah and to just just to reiterate what you said about the statistics there's a lot of different reasons for that one i mentioned about you know is it really the next gen's fault or are they inheriting a mature business yeah but to your point now you know the industry the wealth management industry has a very technical focus you know it's it's taxation it's um preservation of wealth it's technical governance structures, it's, you know, which is needed. But I believe it's it's what we're missing is the real focus on the individual. Mm-hmm. Because as we know, families are made up of individuals. And unless we get to the core of what's driving these individuals at their real at their real core, like what's what motivates the individuals in the family? First, let's understand the individuals why, you know, what their dislikes and likes are before we wrap a family plan around the family and and the and it's it goes back to your comment about having the right conversations and you know so a family business family or a family that adopts a legacy mindset makes it a priority to have a platform whether you call it a family meeting or a family retreat they have a platform that allows and encourages for honest and open conversation non-judgmental yeah because what we have to understand as advisors, consultants, um, and being a you know a next gen member myself, and now being an in law to a family business, is it's the family business. The wealth means something different to everybody in that family. Mm. Unless, and they, and we have to give the individuals the opportunity to express that. Yeah, and, and that can be quite difficult for 
So if we take the example of um, somebody who's in the next generation that, that is looking at the business and thinking, actually, I can take that on and I think I can do a good job and I'd like to do that. And that's, that's different in, entirely than sitting down with mum or dad and saying, now's the time for me to come through and, and, um, and be a bigger part of this. Because firstly, you, you've got to uh, anticipate how your um, parents or, or relatives are going to react to that, i.e. are they kicking me out of the business because they don't think I'm good enough anymore? Um, or do they think I'm past it and they can do a better job? Um, and then manage all of those um, dynamics uh, that, that can be um, at play. And, you know, I, I think that can be a really difficult step for somebody in that next generation to take. Um, do, do you have any um, tips or, or um, experience of starting those conversations? How do you get them uh, underway? Well, which conversation specifically for the next next gen asking mum and dad yeah so so let's take the example of, of um somebody who has um been working within the the family business and feels that now's the time to talk about the the succession plan what is the plan for mum or dad leaving the business and, and them taking it on um uh, in my experience that's a difficult conversation to start uh, and is often left until potentially a, a pain point where there's a uh, uh, poor health or, or death in, in some cases um, and uh, my opinion is that those conversations are better had early on but it's Absolutely. very easy to say that it's not very very easy for that well, to happen so and unfortunately I would say that the you know the conversation already needed to happen before the son or daughter was working in the business and has come to their has come has made the decision that they want to take on a bigger role, right? So mm -hmm. if if the family, the same way, you know, we go to we we go get educated, we go through uni, we go find an entry level position, and we work our way up through an organization. The same rules have to apply for a family business. So that so that so the individuals, the next gen that aspire to participate in the family business know that there's a roadmap for it. So it goes back to adopting this legacy and family family business, uh, business family mindset that, hey, we have a business. Here's the roadmap, son, you know, daughter and son. So that it's not just, you know, I finish uni and I automatically have a job. The, uh, there's, they'll know what path needs to be taken in order to assume a role at the company. That does two things. It makes it fair for all the family members. We're all operating on the same plane. Uh -huh. the, uh, you know, so if we can use a football analogy. The pitch is the same for everybody, right? Yeah. Uh, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you want the role, if the role is available, here are the things you have to do for it. You have to do to accomplish it. And it's communicated early and often. What it also does for the non-family members working in the business it, sh it, it, it because that has to be communicated to them as well that there's a, that the family has is serious about continuity and it's communicated that there's a roadmap for everybody to understand mm -hmm. now back to your comment about the next gen wanting to have that conversation with mom and dad it's not easy um, the biggest the biggest need there is mum and dad have to be willing to have the conversation first. Mm. 
right? So the founder and, you know, there's all types of different buzzwords they use, founder's disease, founder's, you know, founder's perspective, you know, uh, <laughs> parent's perspective, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I know best because I'm, I'm mom and dad. And I'm getting a bit of that now with my son. I've already, you know, you, you are... Because a year ago I wasn't a dad. Now I'm a dad. You hear your, you hear the words you say to your kids. Like, yeah. you two daughters, and you're going, "Oh my God, I'm turning into my father." It's kind of, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a two way street. I mean, with the next Jenner that's in a position where there wasn't a roadmap, and they, you know, that that path wasn't already laid, they find themselves in the business and they want to have a conversation with mom and dad. My advice would be just to be as honest as they can. Um, and and say what they feel, and it's kind of it's not easy to really give a proper response to that because every every situation is very unique. Mm. You know, I, I don't know what that individual's relationship is with their mom and dad. I don't know how open mom and dad would be to having that conversation. But I I also would say that the next one has responsibility to themselves and to the family and to the business to speak up, you know, and to have the courage to, to address the fears that they're having. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, and, you know, I don't want to say ask for what they want because asking for what they want may not, may not necessarily align with the leading generation's dreams and desires, which goes all the way back to our initial points about adopting this legacy mindset. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say, I mean, certainly here in the UK, I don't have a huge amount of experience outside the UK other than what I read. But there's an awful lot of work that's done on preparing the senior generation for successional continuity. So one of the particular areas is the loss of identity or the loss of purpose that can come with moving on from the business and how that can be. Um, sort of um, dealt with but but there doesn't seem to be as much I, I may be wrong here but it, it seems to me there doesn't seem to be as much focus on preparing the next generation for that transition would, would, would that be reflected in, in your work it, um, yeah I mean the the industry focuses on the wealth creators right yeah. you know it, the guy, it's the mom and dad that are signing the checks is the focus on it. And, and with good reason, you know, but I know in Canada, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of the universities now are putting on specific programs for next gen, preparing next gen. You know, um, there was a study conducted by the Williams group a number of years ago that, you know, 25% of wealth destruction is related to unprepared heirs. Uh-huh. It goes both ways. You know, the focus on the leading generation losing a loss of identity with their succession or continuity planning is also reflected in the generation coming up because their identity will fundamentally change as well. They're no longer the the next in line. They are now leading. They are now the leading generation. Yeah. The work that I do has a heavy focus on preparing next gen because that's the role that I play with my family. And it's really understanding where mom and dad are in their continuity planning. Uh-huh. And that's why it goes back to, you know, having conversations often, 
Because what what the leading generation is going through with an identity change and, you know, quote unquote, giving up the power is is hugely impactful. Change, change is difficult for all of us anyway. Uh-huh. But now when you under well, now when you take, you know, frankly, a monumental shift in, in family dynamics with a new generation coming up, there needs to be that focus on a two way conversation. This is what it means to me, Dad, having my role change. You know, and keep in mind too, Russell, like I know with the financial planning work that you do and, and just with the demographics of both of the UK and Canada, as you get older, you become more reflective. Life, there's things that we want as individuals that we want to accomplish. And that's why I believe a lot of the leading generation has a hard time letting go. Have they, have they articulated enough? what their legacy is yeah then, uh, go ahead. so i was just going to say just building on that as well and i think you're absolutely right in terms of as people get older they tend to reflect more and and want to consider their impact on on the world a little bit um more and i think what, what tends to happen and certainly in my experience is, is people have a misconception that that the financial aspect of that is really important when I mean our ethos as a business is that time is our most valuable resource, not not money. Um, if you have money, it allows you to spend your time well, but but actually it's the time you know that you're not going to get any more time um, uh, uh, than than is uh, is there. So um, I think the transition is as people are getting older and are reflecting back on that, they perhaps attach too much emotion to the the family business as an entity to to be their identity and their legacy, when in fact it could be that um, the legacy is the successful transition of that to generation two and beyond. Absolutely, absolutely. My part of Videra, you know, my company, you know, our our ethos statement is redefining family wealth. Uh-huh. So it's really having that conversation about your financial capital, your human capital, and your social capital. And, and you make a very a valid point about leaving the family business as a legacy. The business is just, you know, it's, it's, it's a tool or it's an asset of the family. The family is the legacy. Yeah. You know, it's, the fam- it's the family values. It's the stories. It's the ability of the individuals in the family to create their own families and their own legacies. That, for me, is real wealth. You know what? What is what is the family's? What are the family relationships like? You know, does the family? You know, are they open and honest with each other? Is there deep love and gratitude for for each other as family members? If the focus comes and it goes again, it goes back to the family business versus business family. If the focus is on that, I'm going to leave this business as my legacy. Have you, the you know, the founder, done enough self-reflection to really understand what true legacy means for you? Yeah. And how does that? And how does that? You know. And how does that relate to your next gen? Because what I what I learned from my own experience and the work that I do, the emphasis in my family was always business. Mm. And then when the business was no longer part of the family, sure, we had a liquidity event. Sure, there was a little bit of money in the bank. But as a family, I know for me specifically and for my dad and my mom and my sister, I'll just I'll throw us all into the same, <laughs> into the same basket here. 
we all had a loss of identity um, because we the succession for us happened very quickly in, in, and, and quite abruptly because we were forced to make a business decision. And I think a lot of people underestimate how impactful it was when, when you know, I woke up on a Monday morning and I had no, I had nowhere to go, mm. even as a next genner. So I think it goes back to it goes back to it. Really redefining what it means to have family wealth. Yeah. If, if, if Dad and I, if Dad and I would have had these conversations, and I, you know, years prior, and really sat down and had open and honest discussions about what if, what if something happens, what if there is a health event to you, you know, call it a, a living will or an ethical will. Uh-huh. What if the business needs to be liquidated? Are you competent and confident, meaning myself, to carry on in whatever it is that you want to do? When we had our liquidity event, I was 28 years old. I truly had no idea what I wanted to do and who I was as a person. Mm. Because I was, I was just fixated on continuing my dad's business. And when that, was, when that chapter closed... It took me a long time to really understand who I was as a person. For me, and I know for my my parent, my mother and my sister as well, the liquidity event compounded the pressure to make something of my life. Uh-huh. Because now the community recognizes that the family has liquidated. They know that there's a little bit of money in the family. What are they going to do next? Yeah. And it, so the pressure... The, the pressure to succeed financially or in business really, really affected me for a long time because I had to really define who I was as a person and what I determined to be wealthy. You know, I determined my wealth as having, you know, functioning relationships, harmonious relationships with my family members, you know, having a strong presence in my community. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't even talked about my net worth. Uh-huh. So and that's and that took me a long time to understand and 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 define and design and design that for me, so that now with the work that I do, I'm able to make healthy decisions that align with my definition of wealth. And did you get any help with that in terms yeah. of of uh, coaching or, or some support? I did. Um, I, I, I'll be I'll be bold and say I don't think you can do it on your own. I really don't. Um, so I struggled for probably seven or eight years on my own, um, <laughs> to the detriment of my wife, who <laughs> was an absolute champion in my corner for a number of years. Um, you know, and I, I jumped around a lot. I was very much trying to find myself in my early thirties through my work, because that's the role model that I had in my dad, as an example. Well, he seemed happy. He was obviously successful financially. So that's the path I need to take. So I was always chasing roles that was money focused. And what was happening to me was I would, I would land, a, uh, you know, I would, I would, I would get a job. I would be promoted quickly. I would start to, I would start to realize success and then I would shut down. Mm. So and even in wealth, in the wealth management industry, the reason why I joined it was to really make money. And then what I found in that role, I, you know, I laughed that managing people's money was a huge emotional gift for me 
because I was able to sit down with families and see what what really mattered to them. And it's always family. It's always relationships. Whether they can outwardly say it or not, that's what they're that's what they're feeling. Nobody yeah. wants to have a dysfunctional family. But to your question about getting help, I, I did. Um, three and a half years ago, four years ago, I, I hit my breaking point. Um, I just wasn't happy with the role I was playing from a, both a um, an employment perspective, but as well as a family perspective. And I reached out and asked for help. And I, and I found that in a coach that I still work with today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that third party perspective was the greatest thing I could ever ask for. Someone that didn't know me, that didn't know my baggage, was just seeing me at face value for Vincent was a tremendous aid for my own self-development. And that's, and it's in my own self-reflection and work that it was, it's what, you know, kind of gave me the aha moment that that's the role that I feel now I've been, I've been bred to play for families. Uh-huh. So I, I look at my own family business experiences, both the good and the bad, you know, the success and the, the relational hardships and I'm able now to bring that openness and vulnerability into the families that I serve. Yeah. And, and I, and I find it's very refreshing for them to have somebody sit next to them and say, I understand where you're coming from, from a deep personal level. Yeah. And I guess there's an interesting um, phrase you used in there about the, um, the success, because like we were saying, your analogy of the, um, the Porsche on, on the face of it, a liquidity event can be seen as a hugely successful event because it, it's tangible. It's something where there is then money in the bank, which, which gives you flexibility and, and options. But, but the, the detrimental side of that was perhaps the cost in terms of relationship with, um, I think you mentioned particularly with your, your father in your, your teenage years. Um, yes. How did that relationship change after the liquidity event? Did, did, uh, did, where did that go? Well, it, it, uh, between dad and I took a long time. And it wasn't until I started working with my coach uh, you know, a number of years ago, I was able to, to look at that relationship from a different lens. And I was able to look at my mom, my dad, as people, you know, people that have their own stories, their own fears, their own struggles, and, and to really understand why, you know, w- under what mindset he was operating with at that time. Uh-huh. How it changed, Russell, was I, I was able, you know, through again, through a lot of work to sit down with them and have an honest and an, an honest and open conversation about what I, what I was feeling, you know, what I was feeling at the time of being a young adult working for him in his business, you know, all the opportunities that he gave me, the travel, the opportunity to participate in real high level meetings, of course, the material stuff that came with his success. And then, and then what it felt for me to have him divest from his business underneath the surface, it was almost it was all, you know, our relationship changed because dad and I, even though we weren't having honest and open conversations, I always knew where to find him. He was at the office. Uh-huh. When that, when that, when he decided to sell the family business, it really, it really caused a huge disconnect for us because we didn't know each other as people. 
because the business always got in the way of it. And that, so it took a long time for us to actually get to know each other as father and son. And, yeah. and, and that Mitzi Purdue article, I referenced that, you know, the, if I can just back up, I think for my dad too, you know, the, the, the success of the business, the wealth, because I, you know, I talk about with wealth comes complexity. I think it was overwhelming for him. I know so because he told me that he had to play a role that I don't think he was very comfortable with either. Uh-huh. But you get stuck. You get stuck in a mode, and this is what we see with a lot of our family businesses, with entrepreneurs, frankly, that start something out of necessity and passion, and then the business gets big and too complicated that they they start to resent the company. But you have to keep the 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 system going in order to provide wealth for the family. And when I think when he finally sold the business, I think a huge burden of responsibility came off his shoulders. Yeah, he was actually able for the first time in a long time just to be himself. You know, not to have to toe that business line. Um. But I also think that he and even myself weren't prepared for the liquidity because like most family businesses you know you're you're wealthy on paper you have an operating company yeah but until that operating company liquidates and you actually see some money in the bank it's a very different it's a very different asset class Mm. you know an opco versus cash right yeah Yeah. what do you do with the cash and then, and then, and you know, then the pressure becomes, well, how do we maintain this cash? So, but from a personal perspective, I really think my, you know, not having the business between us allowed us just to be father and son. Mm. And that, again, you know, I used to say for a long time, unfortunately, I went through this family business scenario where we had a lot of wealth, a lot of success, and then it fundamentally changed. Now I reflect back and say, I, I was fortunate to go through this experience because now, even with my mom and my sister, you know, we're able to have a more healthy uh, relationship because there isn't this, well, you're getting more type, type of, of um, sibling rivalry, as an example. We can now just be siblings. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess that the the difficult part from, from you after that transition then was was your own sense of purpose rather than, than your, your dad losing losing his. He, he almost welcomed it, I, I get the impression, um, but because, as you say, the pressure was off. Um, but, but that pressure had been, been passed on to you inadvertently. I don't, it's not, it wasn't an intention. It, it was just a, a consequence. Um, and that uh, it may have taken a while to do it, but has led you to, to doing what you're doing today, which I guess is a, a great outcome as well. You, you, yes, thank you for that. You're 100 percent right. So, and and the the pressure, and you know, so I look at my dad, right? He's an immigrant to Canada, like most immigrants. You know, they they came from very little. They come to a new country. They build they build the wealth. So the pressure for me was, you know, I always looked at my dad. And said, if he can come to Canada with no language, you know, no family, no financial resources, and build this this international company, given the foundation that I was afforded, I need to be bigger than him. Right. 
So when, when he liquidated, it was almost like, oh, my God, at least when we had the family business, I had a platform to jump from. So when he liquidated, it was almost like I have to start from the, I have to start from scratch. Mm. But this goes back to our comments earlier about adopting a legacy mindset. Because if, if someone would have asked my dad, you know, early on, what do you want for your legacy? And knowing what I know about him now, he would have said to retire young on a beach, right? Right. <laughs> right? With, my, with, with my health and my relationships intact. That's his definition of legacy. Not, not to have this multi-generational business carry on for generations. That was not his mindset. But we never had that conversation. So I took that, I took the responsibility on saying, I need to continue on this family, this family business legacy of starting a new business, you know, employing X amount of people so that my gen, my, my next gen can work in the business like my dad did for us. Uh-huh. And that, that's not, that wasn't the truth. <laughs> because, and, and that's, those are the type of conversations that are being missed. Right. For, for a long time when my dad decided to sell, I resented it because I was saying, well, I have friends that work for their dads and their dads are still working and they're carrying on for generation upon generation. You know, the question I would ask them today, are they, not, are they really happy in the role yeah. that they're playing? But because dad and I never had that conversation about, hey, this is what I want for my life being the father. And frankly, whatever you decide for your life, I'm happy with. That's wealth to me because yeah. now, now it's about self-fulfilling dreams versus, okay, well, I'm going to do this because this is what the family wants. Uh-huh. And I think the, you mentioned it earlier, about as, as you get older, you, you get a bit more reflective. One of the things we, again, try to encourage people to consider is that life isn't a rehearsal. It's not a practice run where you can kind of go, okay, next time I'll certainly do this a little bit um, earlier than than perhaps I had, or I'll have that conversation because naturally we put those off. We don't have those, um, what we perceive as difficult conversations, even though in reality that quite often they're not. It can be that both parties are sat there going, we need to have this chat and and putting it off for whatever reason. And when they sit down and and, um, sort of open up, they're like, oh, thank goodness, you know, I'm, I'm glad you feel this way because I feel this way and uh, let's do something about it. It's, it's almost the nervousness around that conversation that, that creates some of the issue. Yes, absolutely. I, again, it goes back, if, if it's really about adopting a legacy mindset yeah. and, it, and, it's, and it's really about understanding that emotions are at play here and to get in order for people to move forward collectively, we need to have the conversations early and often. Yeah. And, and, and it's really about leading, you know, if, if, and, you know, I, and it starts, you have to start early, but if, if mom and dad, they have to be the leaders of this. So dad, if dad wants his kid to be honest and open and share, or if mom wants their kids to tell the truth and be vulnerable, then you know what? You have to be the first ones to be to show that vulnerability. Completely. Right. So if mom and dad sit down and say, hey, you know, I'm worried about you only working in the company as an example. And these are the reasons why. And they set the platform for sharing and vulnerability. 
you know, human nature will, will dictate that we'll follow along. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, about that nervousness, you know, it, it took me until I was 36 years old <laughs> to sit down with my dad and have that nervous conversation about how, what, what was going through my mind about the decisions that he made about his business, uh-huh. you know, and to my surprise, you know, his first comment was, well, why don't we have this conversation sooner? Yeah. <laughs> and, and my answer was, I don't know. I obviously didn't have the courage to do it, but through the work that I, that I do today, it's really about the family establishing that openness and that culture for communication. Uh-huh. It's not about pointing fingers. It's, yeah. it, it is what it is. We can change it. But if you look at the statistics, like we referenced earlier, the, you know, the transition rates are dismal, to say the least. Uh-huh. But the families that do it right, they, they, you know, it's, it's, not about, it's not starting and stopping. This is what they do. Yeah. They operate this way every single day. And it's, and it's not easy. It's about really embracing the idea of raising and nurturing competent and confident, self-sufficient next generation members Uh and allow them to come to their own realization. And in order to do that, we need to have these honest and open conversations. Yeah, completely agree. And and I think um, that 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 sort of brings us around to the, the, the purpose of the, uh, the, so podcast conversation today was looking at um, this, this sort of legacy um, mindset, which we, we've touched on a few times. And I guess to, to sum that up, it, it's, it's understanding what your legacy, um, what you want your legacy to be, and then reverse engineering that into what needs to start happening today in order for that to become a reality. Uh, and that's where you come back to it often in, in terms of, of just... Um, making sure that all stays relevant and everybody's still on the same page because otherwise things can drift. Um, would you say that's fair? It's, it's very fair. Um, and it's, yeah, it is. And it's in, in both on the individual perspective and the family perspective. Yeah. Right. We have to, we have, you know, there has to be inclusion and, you know, we all, there's that equal versus fair, you know, term that we always talk about with family business, you know, is it equal or is it fair? Yeah. And that's why it goes back to, you know, the, the, the leading generation can make a decision about with respect to their wealth. The next generation may not like it, but it's fair. It's uh-huh. fair for all members. Um, and, you know, I think just as a society too, with respect to legacy, we've gotten away as families from just sitting down and talking you know, and, and like storytelling. Yeah. Part of the legacy of families, in my opinion, are the stories. Yeah. So it's it's sitting down with mom and dad and grandpa and grandpa and understanding, you know, who they are as people, where they came from, the struggles, the struggles and challenges they encountered in growing the business and the wealth. Often, and, that, and that was missing from me because I, like I mentioned to you, you know, when I turned 14, 15, the company was already acquired by a multinational. I just assumed that well, the family was always wealthy, and uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't know the background of my parents' upbringing. Yeah, that's just They're, the way it's always been. You know, that that's that's normal for you, for you. Exactly, and and that's 
you know, and, and that's what, for me, created that environment of entitlement because I said, well, if this is how it's always been, then that's how it's always going to be. Yeah. Without, and, and without really understanding what's going on with, with mom and dad, you know, as individuals. And, you know, you know, families always ask me, well, when should we start having these conversations? They should already be having them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as a family, you want to be you want to be an open book to your kids because transparency does breed trust. And I'm not necessarily saying, you know, you should be telling your 15 or 16 year old kid, you know, what the what the assets are worth. Yeah. The kids already have an idea that you're wealthy. Yeah. They're not. You know, it's about including them in the grander scheme of conversations about here's what we want for our family legacy and how does that resonate with you and allow the kids to to participate with their ideas with their suggestions and not to not to hide things from them yeah i completely agree and uh, i guess one of my final questions is is in terms of a uh, the one tip you would give to, to business families, I, I, I think I can guess what, what it would be, but it, what would be your one tip that, that you would give to, to business families regarding, um, I guess in specifics, the, the preparation for wealth transition? Start early. Um, it's not a fluid event. I'll give you a couple of tips, I guess, without, uh-huh. getting, without getting too technical. And to really, to really realize and understand that this is a this is these are these are human interactions. Mm-hmm. So, and to really take, really take into context the humanness of these family business decisions that are that are going on. That's the tip I would give. Um, and from that, there can you know the technical the technical plans that are needed in order to preserve wealth are affecting the humans in that family. So allow the humans an opportunity to truly understand what's going on. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Vincent, that's been a fascinating chat. I really appreciate your um, honesty and candidness um, in talking about your own um, experiences. Um, If our audience want to find out more about you, where's best for, for them to get in touch? So they can go to my website, which is simply www.vedera, V-E-D-A-E-R-A.com. Uh-huh. Or you can find me on LinkedIn at Vincent Valeri. Um, we can go from there. Excellent. And I'll put links in there um, or, or links to those into the show notes. Um, and also the, the um, Mitzi Perdue uh, blog that we've been referencing I'll, uh, I'll put a link in there as well. Um, but, but on behalf of the audience, thank you very much for, for coming on and speaking to us today. Thank you, Russell. My pleasure. Take care. That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes. Or if you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fambizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.